This is more than a week from... Uh, started 6.30 on Saturday morning. My, two of my grandchildren were at the party for peace next to the Gaza border. They, they were hit by rockets and the last phone call we had is at 6.30 when they called the parents and said we have to leave the party because we're being bombed by, by rockets. They ran to the car and as soon as they started to drive they were hit by bullets and grenades and everything on earth <coughs> and they stopped all the ways out of the party so um the last thing we know about them that they were trying to flee the party but we don't know anything after that no one's seen them no one's heard from them we have gone through all the hospitals in israel to see if they are wounded we have in touch with you no Nothing. Do you feel alone? What's the sense right now in this moment? Do you feel a sense of community from those around you? Or do you feel abandoned? rolling and breaking news coverage here on I-24 News. It is day seven of war here in Israel. Over the past week, the death toll has risen. More than 1,300 people were murdered by Hamas, with close to 3,300 wounded by their combined attacks. Rocket alert sirens continue to blare throughout communities in the south, with some homes taking direct hits, but thankfully no casualties. In recent hours, the Gazan terror group has expanded their reach by launching rockets at both central and even northern Israel as well. Let's cross now live to our correspondent Robert Swift, who is standing by for us near the Israel-Lebanon border. Robert, thanks for joining us this evening. There's a fear of possible infiltrations from Lebanon into Israel. What's the latest? What can you tell us? 
Uh, that's correct. There's actually been an exchange of fire near the, the, the northern community of Hanita, which is a kibbutz very close to the Israeli-Lebanese border. There was a, a possible infiltration detected there when there was an explosion on the fence line. Israeli forces moved in to investigate if anybody had used that exit by the, uh, the David Sloan air defense system. And there are also uh, reports of a security incident in the area of uh, Matula, which is further to the northeast of the country, where uh, residents in some buildings, uh, some homes along the frontier, have been advised uh, to evacuate from their homes for fear of uh, small arms sniper and RPG fire from across the border. At the minute, this is uh, this is not an incident that is uh, uh, taking place. It's a recommendation, most likely based on intelligence. Uh, Rob, we can see quite a busy scene behind you. And as you obviously mentioned, there, there is this fear of possible infiltrations. But a lot of the time, there does seem to be uh, false reports of these infiltrations coming through on the northern front. So how is the security establishment and the infrastructure setting up on the border there in fears of... It's considerable firepower uh, to Hamas fighting on the southern front. Um, and so there's great fear with regards to that. And so every time there's a small incident like this, uh, there, there is Concern that this could be the, the the tipping point. For the time being, there's no confirmation uh, th- th- that doesn't appear to be the case. This could be yet another skirmish uh, in this series of skirmishes. But be, but there is a, a great deal of fear with regards to that, which goes some of the way to explaining the uh, the series of uh, false alarms that have taken place in the last couple of days. Correspondent Robert Swift there on the northern border. Thank you for that update. We'll be touching base with you a little later in the evening. Meanwhile, and while the unrest continues inside and near Israel's borders, Hamas is calling on its supporters for a day of rage around the world. As Israelis and Jews abroad are urged to stay alert for violence, security has been upped at Israeli embassies worldwide, as it has as well at Jewish centers globally. As across now, live to our correspondent Hamza Salhut, who is standing by for us in Jerusalem. Hamza, good evening. There's been quite a bit of violence coming out of the West Bank. The latest report that we were getting nine Palestinians in the West Bank killed during that day of rage. What are you hearing and seeing through the West Bank and into Jerusalem as well with regards to Hamas's call? Right, Badia, so that report now is 11 Palestinians killed in those demonstrations, a strong show of support in places like Ramallah, Neblis, and Jenin in Jerusalem here. It was quite calm all day. The Israeli military imposing restrictions on several parts of the city so that people would not answer that call and come to the city center here, to the old city, and to the flashpoint at Aqsa Mosque compound. Today, there were only about 5,000 worshipers. On a regular Friday, that is not during a, a religious time, you could see upwards of 50, even 100,000 people people at the mosque. But today, because of those restrictions, really restricting uh, people of what age could come, uh, women only from inside the old city, men over the age of 50 or 55, the protests are actually spread throughout multiple parts of the Middle East in places like Yemen and Iraq, Turkey, Pakistan, Lebanon. The demonstrations continue in support of Gaza. But additionally, on the Jordanian side, a lot of Jordanians trying to march to the border uh, to showcase their support for the Palestinian cause, but the Jordanian army stopped them, throwing tear gas at them. Another riot dispersal methods. Remember, Hamas um, called for people to show their support in a day of rage and a day of anger on Friday. But this call happened very early on in the week. They were really getting the messaging out quite early so that people could prepare themselves uh, for the days to come. 
Hamda, you mentioned tense calm in Jerusalem, but what is the security uh, apparatus like, at least in the holy city at the moment? A lot of reinforcements being sent to the northern and the southern borders. What is it like in the capital? Well, look, an additional thousands of border police officers were sent to help patrol the city and set up these blockades, essentially, that lead to the old city and several neighborhoods uh, like Wadiljoz, which is just a little bit uh, of a walks away, about 10 minutes. So there is a heavy police presence here behind me. You can see it's completely deserted because of those restrictions and blockades that the Israeli military has sent. But throughout the old city, there are police and army officers all over the place, really trying to ensure that no one is getting through, no one is trying to protest, that no one is trying to cause any sort of unrest in the city. Correspondent Hamza Salchut there in Jerusalem will be touching base with you a bit later as well. And with me here in studio is Nadav Tamir, the former diplomatic advisor for Israeli President Shimon Peres. Good evening. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me this evening, evening in studio. News just in that former defense minister Moshe Ya'alon suggested during an interview to Channel 12 that Israelis should lower their expectations of what the IDF is able to do in Gaza. Most Israelis at the moment are calling for the eradication of, and, and let's be clear, the Hamas terror movement in the Gaza Strip as the de facto rulers. What exactly should Israelis be lowering their expectations to, according to the former, de- to the former defense minister? Well, every time we have a, a, another conflict with Hamas, even though this time, of course, is in its totally different dimension, it's the worst attack Israel ever suffered. But the facts remain that uh, there's no military solution to Hamas. I mean, we could uh, take out many of their capabilities, but Hamas is a movement. uh, Almost 30% of the Palestinian society are supporters of Hamas, not necessarily supported of the terrorism, but they're part of the movement of Hamas. So I think that all those mantras uh, let's take uh, uh, take off Hamas. I, I think uh, he's definitely correct by saying that it's exaggerated. So in, in a likely scenario that Israel does manage to deplete much of Hamas's senior members, but also their arsenal, their facilities, what should be left from a political point of view in the Gaza Strip? Because as you mentioned, if we look at the situation, albeit different circumstances with the United States and Afghanistan, they went in same situation with the idea of retaliation. But they were there for 20 years, assuming that they could fix the government issue on the ground. And that obviously did not come to fruition. Are we going to be seeing a similar thing here? Is Israel taking on that advice to know that its retaliatory actions have to be followed by something more permanent? I hope so. I'm not sure. I think that uh, what the Biden administration was doing is embracing Israel in an amazing way. One of the most supportive uh, messages ever came from an American president, uh, came from Biden and also from Secretary Blinken when he visited here. But they also spoke about uh, the need to act according to international law. And if you act according to international law, there's no way you could, uh, because you're going after so many civilians that are there in Gaza, and uh, and someone have to take care of them. And that requires a strategy, a political horizon, 
which I don't think the current Israeli government could do. But we have to think uh, beyond this government. And uh, with American leadership, with an international support, uh, we have to, after this ends, the military part, we have to have an exit strategy that leads to a political arrangement. Stay with me because I I do want to touch on on one of the as well discussing safe areas inside the Gaza Strip. Where is there for them to go? That's exactly the problem, Batia. There really is nowhere that is safe. This is the problem now with over a million residents in the north being told to flee south while Israeli airstrikes are still ringing out and pounding the area and also Israeli tanks. We've continued to see them here in the border area, especially we've also heard these Israeli tanks throughout the day firing into Gaza, firing into Hamas targets in the area. So the citizens were being asked to flee or being asked to do so while under fire and with the added difficulty of there's really nowhere to go in this extremely densely populated strip with Egypt also in place that blockade from the southern exit, not allowing Palestinians to leave from there, really is a burgeoning humanitarian crisis. And I can see that you are at the Bayer Hospital in Ashkelon. So just to remind our viewers, that's about a 30-minute drive um, from the Gaza border area to that southern coastal city. That coastal city was under a heavy barrage of rockets earlier this afternoon. What has it been like there on the ground in, in the last while that you've been there? Absolutely, Badia. So we've been here in the south since this morning in Ashkelon, particularly. Hamas says it fired over 150 rockets towards this area and also towards Ashdod. Earlier today, we saw videos of massive interceptions taking place over the city, driving into the city. We saw a number of different smoke from fires that were caused by these rockets, some in residential areas hitting cars, luckily causing no injuries, but also some that fell in open. You don't see many people out in the streets if they are even still staying in the city and haven't already left to safer parts of the country. Correspondent Mary McAuliffe there in the south of Israel. Stay safe. We'll be crossing to you a little later. Still with me here in studio is Nadav Tamir, the former diplomatic advisor for Israeli President Shimon Peres. Let's touch base on, on, what, um, on what Mary was, was pointing to. There's been recommendations from the IDF for a lot of these Gazan civilians to be moving down south towards Egypt. There's a big question here. Why is Egypt not opening the borders for these Gazans? in order to assist them or at least assist what they keep calling the humanitarian crisis that is likely to unfold with Israel's striking of the Strip. Why is Egypt not involved in at least alleviating some of that pressure on the citizens? Egypt uh, is concerned that this will uh, spill over to their territories. They have uh, a lot of issues with the Muslim Brotherhood. They don't want uh, this to become their problem. I think the uh, American administration should work with the Egyptians to find a solution to this. Uh, And also Israel. We have to understand that many of those Gazans are victims of Hamas, just like we Israelis are victims of Hamas. And I I can talk personally that I was today in a funeral and, uh, and many of my family were either brutally abducted or killed. Uh, But we have to understand that the fact that we uh, were hit so badly by really um, war criminal acts by Hamas doesn't take from us the responsibility to be rational and humane in the way we respond to Gaza. And I hope that, first of all, we will uh, prioritize uh, bringing the abductees back home. That should be the priority because we can always hit Hamas later. And secondly, whatever we do, 
to eradicate the capabilities of Hamas. As I said, we cannot take Hamas completely, but to eradicate their capabilities, we have to do it in a way that will uh, minimize uh, the damage for the civilians in Gaza. Absolutely. And just before we, we bring in our next guest, there is newly released footage that is coming out showing how the Hamas terrorists opened fire at people hiding in the portable toilets of the festival that was near Re'im. Again, I'll remind our viewers, this was the Peace Festival where around 260 people were butchered in an open field area. They were there to celebrate peace. Just absolutely unbelievable. When we have those images that have just been coming out, we'll show them through to you. But in the meantime, Let's move now to another personal testimony of some of those tragedies that are unfolding here in Israel. I'm joined by Eyal Harmati, the grandson of Varda Harmati, who was murdered by Hamas in Kibbutz Re'im near the Israel. But begin to try and imagine what you and your family must be going through. Um, can I ask you to talk a little bit about your grandmother and exactly what happened to her? Yes, so it happened October 7th. Um, I woke up in the morning at 6.30 to the first sirens. Um, I was so confused. It was um, it never happened that we have sirens out in Hodeshon. I was really worried because there was nothing that indicated this prior to October 7th. And when I woke up in the morning, I called my sisters and my family to see if everybody's safe because I was very worried about everyone. I didn't know what was happening. I was scared. Um, and then I got a call from my sister. She screamed at the phone. I was dead. She's dead. And I, w I just woke up. I was so confused. It's been half an hour. I, we didn't know anything, like what's happening, what's going on. Um, and I was just so scared. I rushed to my sister's house. She lives next to me. And we were trying to process everything and trying to reach out to our family in the kibbutz. And it just the door wasn't locked. But it's just awful because she was helpless. She was an 81. Uh, yes, my dear audience, about two minutes before I start my, um, my program, uh, just... Uh, Small comment uh, for Nadav Tamir, who was the uh, advisor of uh, Shimon Peres, one of the architects of the Oslo disaster in 92-93. Regarding uh, the fact that he states that not only the Jews in Israel are victims, it's only also the Gaza Arabs are victims. With all due respect, victims cannot hide behind their fear for their life and not taking any kind of action for 18 years. It is if uh, stating that the uh, Soviet Union uh, citizens uh, were not collaborators of the, of the totalitarian regime of uh, the Soviet Union. The same way as the Jews are responsible for this atrocity, atrocities, but not by not taking any kind of action for the past 40 years in order to rehabilitate their society, rehabilitate their leadership, and actually take charge of their own life, the same way it's for the Gazans. Now, 
considering that all the Gazans are actually extreme Sunnis, it means that 90% of all Gazans from the age of 16 and above are actually